welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's a queen taking the city by storm, but I gotta say, I don't know what it is about her. She's just je ne sais quoi. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. It is autumn. Um, it's autumn, and I hate the autumn. I hate the fall. I hate everything about death. I don't. I, why do we celebrate death? That is what the fall is, correct? I mean. It's like nature's reset button. I'm not mad sure. at it. Yeah, the, the the leaves go from green to warm colors. They fall on the ground. They die. We step on them. We watch movies about killers killing pretty people and celebrate death. <laughs> we kill pumpkins by stabbing them and making faces in them. You do. But everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. I do. I love autumn. I love autumn. I love autumn flavors. I'm not a pumpkin. Okay. Spice. I'm not a pumpkin spice girl. I'm... I'm an apple or a maple girl. Like okay, I I, no, I respect there. I, like those two, I can do. I think apple is kind of a superior fall flavor, and people sleep on it. Um, and I'm a slut for maple syrup. So <laughs> listen, I am a big fan. Give me a maple frosted donut from Dunkin' Donuts, and I am a happy person. Oh, that sounds so good. No, I they're so yummy. Fall to me is like it's cool enough that like you can pull out your like cozy fashion again, but it's mm-hmm. not like a New York city winter where you're like, Oh, it's dark at three <laughs> and I need to be inside. So. Yeah. Are, are you a flannels girl? Sometimes, sometimes I'm a, I'm a leather jacket girl. I'm a leather jacket okay, okay. girl and I'm. She's uh, edgy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the show for an interview. You've been a guest and done some recaps already, but we're going to talk about you and learn everything there is about you um, because you really are like a rising star of the New York City nightlife. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's really sweet. But before we get into all that, we need to start at the beginning and learn the the start of you. Where are you originally from? Uh, I am originally from New York City. I'm originally from New York City. Um, What part? was born in Queens, but grew up in the Bronx. Born in Queens, mm-hmm. grew up in the Bronx, went to high school in Queens, um, middle school in Spanish Harlem. So like a little bit of everywhere. Um, I, My grandmother at, for a large portion of my life lived in Brooklyn. And so I would spend a lot of time in that area with her. My grandmother lived in Brooklyn before Brooklyn was like taken over by white hipsters. So mm-hmm. like, it's weird to sort of see where she used to live now because it's a totally different neighborhood and demographic um but yeah I always say like I I sort of like I have a little bit of roots planted all over the city pretty much everywhere except for Staten Island Staten Island is really the only place that like as which a- is not a bad thing not a bad thing yeah. at all no, <laughs> no one wants to go to Staten Island so which what train lines were you did you frequent the most um 
the most would be probably the two or five train because that was where those mm-hmm. were the home or the like at the time because the q train was a different line back when i was in high sure. school the q train wasn't the second avenue line yet um at the time the nrq train because those were the ones that would take you into queens when i was going to school so like the four the the two and the five train because those would get me to like to home and then when i was in middle school i could take the five train to essentially like east harlem where i went to middle school and then in high school it was the nrq because that was like the trains to queens what were you like growing up as a child of new york city talkative as hell <laughs> i i was the kid who like I was a hustler. Like I, I, I had a hustle pretty much like all throughout school. My parents really, really instilled in me the importance of hard work. And mm-hmm. they, both my parents, my dad and my stepmom and my mom and my stepdad were households that really did not tolerate anything less than your best. You know what I mean? And for me, they realized at an early age that my best meant, I hate this term now, but like what, would, what you would consider at the time, like the gifted kid um, sure. with a like overachieving kid and I I mean I was in school I was in extracurriculars I was in for a lot of for a lot of my like younger life it was actually sports and I was awful 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 at them <laughs> I was so bad at them I I played basketball I played soccer I did roller hockey I did so did I. Yeah, I did tennis. I did fencing. Fencing, I was actually not terrible at. That's, I mean, I, I was better at individual sports than team sports because mm-hmm. the rules kind of only affected me. And so I was like, okay, I can navigate my way through this. Um, and then really when I was in middle school, I started doing like acting classes, singing classes, dancing lessons, pretty much anywhere I could for free because my parents didn't have money to pay for them. Um, and so I was doing that. It was like, School, rehearsal, homework, eat, sleep, shower, repeat. Like it was like, and then it was also like I was a tutor in middle school. I was um, on student government. I was on homecoming committee in high school. Like it was just sort of a million and one things all wrapped up in one. I, I kind of flourished in staying busy. So you mentioned you did some acting and everything. Being so close to the mecca of theater, Broadway, were you someone who went to see shows frequently? Yeah, I was. I was. I was. That is one of the things that I was really, really lucky and really, really grateful to have throughout middle school and high school. I had the opportunity to sort of delve really headfirst into a lot of amazing, amazing theater. Like from when I was much younger than a lot of people that were getting to see theater at that time. Um, my middle school theater teacher took us to as many shows as he possibly could. We would go see shows at like the new victory theater when the new victory theater was mm-hmm. doing things for school programs. We would go see pretty much any Broadway show that would give us like the student package discount for the school. Sure. Um, and then in high school, we had a partnership with TDF where we got a Broadway mentor that took us to, I think it was eight different Broadway shows. And then after the show, all we had to do was have a talk back with the mentor about like, themes of the show or what we thought worked, what we thought didn't sort of discuss theater on a critical level and on a deeper level and then write like a reflection paper about it. But I got to meet um, Natasha Katz who worked on, Mm -hmm. she's like a Broadway lighting designer. She's the leading female Broadway lighting designer. She was fabulous to meet and know in high school. And we got to see Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. We got to see An American in Paris. We got to see 
oh my god so many like incredible shows in like do you remember what your first broadway show was yes my first broadway show uh was the lion king i right i was three years old um and i was so enthralled in it that in the scene where mufasa is unfortunately ended by the stampede um spoiler alert yeah yeah (laughs) um in that scene I stood up on my chair in the theater and shouted, he's dead, Simba, he's dead. As though to let the actors know, like, cause they, to me at three years old, I was like, oh no, they don't see what's going on here. I have to help them. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that sounded like a moment. And, and <laughs> did you get in trouble for that? Um, fortunately, no, it was very like, <laughs> the way that my family tells it, it was very like, I was so young and everyone thought it was just so adorable that I was really like that invested in it. But my mom was definitely like. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, I'm the kind of person, like if I, if I'm with people who are like singing along, I will smack them and say, shut up. You're not on stage. Yeah. I, now I go to shows and I'm like, I really just want to like enjoy the experience of it. I think mm-hmm. that definitely at that point and because it was my first show and because that movie was like I had seen the movie Lion King before I'd seen the musical and it was so sort of like and it was like an out-of-body experience for me at that age to see all of these things happening especially because Lion King I mean if you've seen the Broadway show it really does happen sort of all around you like even that opening scene and it was just like it was the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen. So theater is a big part of your life is that what you studied for college? Yes. I was a musical theater major in college. Where did you go? Uh, huh, Marymount Manhattan College, Upper uh-huh. East. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there are quite a few drag queens who have attended that um, oh, yes. university. Oh, yes. Quite a few. And it's actually sort of funny. Like, some of them, I knew a lot of the queens in the city right now that went to Marymount were graduates before me. Um, mm-hmm. and in different departments some of them and I knew them I knew some of them when they first started drag and like in college and then after college when they sort of like really sort of hit the ground running and were taking over the scene I then eventually met them as Janae Sequa and it was sort of this like full circle moment of some of them didn't recognize me and so I was like no f- we fully met before I've known you for years and they're like oh my god that's crazy anyone you want to name drop um Black Widow is one Black Widow is one mm-hmm. that I, I've known Black Widow for a while. Black Widow and I used to like catch up and kiki in the Starbucks, like common area of Marymount. And I remember when she first sort of like, I remember when she was doing Drag Wars and she was like, oh, I was doing this competition last night. It ran really late, but I won and I was so excited. And so now to see like all of the amazing, amazing things that she's done, it's like, the last time I got to work with her, I told her, I was like, you kind of embody self-confidence and like following your path. And I really love that about her. That's amazing. So let's talk about you and your entry into drag. When did that start? Uh, Janae Sequa technically hit the scene November, 2019. How would you describe Janae in three words? Theatrical, political, and genuine. All right. Okay, I can see that. Let, let's talk about the origin story. How did you come up with your name? Uh, actually, my name was given to me by a former coworker and boss of mine. I showed up to work 
at the time I was working as a stylist at J Crew, and one of my managers who I was very, very close with, I like ran in the store, dropped my stuff off, ran back out, got clocked in and just kind of like hit the floor running. Um, and at one point in that day, he came up to me and said, you know, you have a certain, just like a je ne sais quoi about you. And I <laughs> literally stopped and was like, that's it. I was like, that's, and kind of just bust with it a little bit. And I was like, that's the name. Yeah. Like, that's now, the did name. you know what that phrase meant before you took it on as a name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of liked the fact that the literal translation in French is, I don't know what. And then I also liked that the sort of like commonplace or like general definition of it or like expression of it could be used to describe sort of a quality about somebody that like people are just drawn to. Cause I thought mm -hmm. for me that, that was definitely sort of the motivator and why I chose to name my drag persona that. But then also like, at the same time, I'm constantly like growing and learning and changing and evolving. So when people ask me, they're like, how would you describe yourself? Like what box would you categorize yourself in? I'm like, I wouldn't. I'm like the hell of I yeah. Hey, you know what? That's, that's not a bad problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long does it take to transform into Janae? Uh, I'm down to like, if I want, like, uh, if I have to, if I absolutely have to, it won't be my best work, but I can get a passable space like on in an hour. If I okay. like am going at a consistent tempo, but like not rushing at all, I try to do it in like hour 30, hour 40. Do you have any traditions you have when you get ready? I, yes, I always end up, I FaceTime friends a lot when I get ready. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll go live, but that's just because like, if I'm like, if I really have a lot of time, I'll go live because I end up talking to people and getting distracted and not working as efficiently. But I'll talk to like my drag sisters or one of my like really, really good friends while I do my makeup. Um, sometimes I'll listen to music. I try not to listen to the music I'm planning on performing that day though, because I don't want to like, sit with it for too long. Like usually when I'm performing, I know, I know the material and I don't want to like over like cram it into my brain. So I'll listen to other things that just kind of generally inspire me. Like I'll put on other music and I'm like, oh, just sort of like, I like to focus when I'm doing my makeup. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause like, I feel like one of the, the dominating answers when I ask that question is listen to what I'm about to perform. Yeah. Um, and you're the opposite. I, it's yeah. very fascinating to me. Yeah. Now, we love to try to get you some sponsorship. Let's throw out the names. Let the universe hear you. What are your favorite makeup products? Uh, my favorite makeup products. Uh, Fenty lip products. Obsessed with them. Mm -hmm. Obsessed mm -hmm. with You're ready to walk the uh, the Fenty runway, right? I, oh my God, that'd be such a dream. Like that'd be such a dream. Fenty, Fenty products I'm really, really obsessed with. Um, I really, really love Juvia's Place products because when I sort of mm -hmm. discovered them, it's, a, a quality brand, B, black owned, and C, at the time in which I discovered them, it's definitely within my price range. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. Um, and then like dream products that I would love to like, like continue working with that I do not own, but I've used when like I have friends that own them. Um, Danessa Myricks, uh, Pat McGrath. Whoa, mm -hmm. Pat McGrath products are like out of this world. And I, yeah. I always say I need, I want to be, I want to be a little better at makeup before I like fully invest in getting myself Pat McGrath. But sure. I, uh, I enjoy using it when my friends who are like real, like makeup girls are like, here, use this. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
Just get yourself a sugar daddy. That, that's all you need. <laughs> so let's talk about when you started drag. Who were some of the first people that helped you out in your journey? Some of the first people to help me out in my drag journey were Islea, Peaches, um, Islea, Peaches, Tina, Tina Twirler. Um, I met a bunch of Peaches I had met at Ultimate Drag Pageant when I had entered that mm -hmm. competition, which sort of happened as an act of fate. And I think like was the like catalyst to a lot of things that took off for me. Um, but I sure. technically first first started started doing Drag Wars, um, where I met, I mean, I had met Tina, I met Islea, I met Marilyn Monroe, I met a bunch of people that every week I would go when I knew really nothing about makeup or hair or drag in general. And I watched them and like got to talk to them and connect to them with them as friends and sisters. And they were all just so like without them even realizing it or without them sort of even necessarily directly helping in some ways and some of them did um were just so like influential and helpful in that way drag wars first performance what was the number you performed oh woof gross it was <laughs> <laughs> it was a remix of greedy by ariana grande it was okay for a second there you scared me you started with remixes like don't say ignition don't say ignition no no no, no. oh my god no it was a it was a specific remix of greedy by Ariana grande and it was a disaster <laughs> why what what made it a disaster in your eyes i looked i looked a disaster i looked an absolute disaster it was like i was truly wearing like a whisper of a lash and some lip gloss. Like I had no concept of what like my makeup should have looked like. And no okay, concept, of, no concept of what my hair should have looked like. And was in like somebody's hand-me-down ass outfit. It was. So if, if you in your eyes saw it as a disaster, what brought you back? The desire to keep growing. Okay. The desire to keep growing and the motivation of knowing that, like, I had walked into Drag Wars that night excited as all hell, being like, we're going to effing do it. This is going to be fabulous. I cannot wait. And after sort of watching some of the queens that went before me, I was like, oh, this is a mess. I was like, looked, kind of looked at myself and was like, this is a mess. But I, at that point when I had gotten to Drag Wars, I had decided that drag was something that I was pursuing. It was one of those things that sure. was like, it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me that I had $10 to put on it at the time. And it didn't matter to me that I had really no clue where to go or what to do next. I was like, this is what I'm doing. And it's going to be as crunchy as it's going to be right now. And we're going to work from there. Got to start somewhere. Exactly. Now, you competed in one of the very last, if not the last seasons of Ultimate Drag Pageant. Yes. What was that experience like? Uh, eye-opening. Very, very eye-opening. And one of the most like fun and rewarding competition experiences I did. I actually joined mm -hmm. UDP, like I said earlier, as an act of fate. Someone had dropped out of the competition. And at the time, John, who was the owner of the West End, had posted on his Facebook essentially saying if anyone wants to compete in a drag competition, there's one spot open. Message me as soon as possible. 
I had done a cabaret, one cabaret at the West End Lounge when I was like 18 or 19. And I messaged John. I had my like two or three videos from the weeks I had done Drag Wars, sent those to him. He sent them to Marty and they had confirmed me. And I started not the first week, which was like introduce yourself week basically, but I'd started Mm -hmm. the second week, which was 80s week. And two months, oh my goodness, like two months into drag, I was like thrown into the ring with such amazing, amazing drag artists and performers. It was, I mean, oh my God, Aria Close, Jupiter Doll, Ruby Slay Monroe, Acacia Forgot, Islea, oh my God. And I, I learned so much. I learned so much about like my creativity and what I could do. And then also like how to grow in such a short amount of time and had the best fucking time. I had the best time doing that. What were some of your favorite moments and memories? Um, Snatch Game. I, Snatch Game, I think was one of the first moments that like, I wasn't just some new girl. It was like queens that I had performed with at Drag Wars, artists that I had like gone to see perform, saw me do Snatch Game and were like, okay, bitch we see now who you're starting to like be and become. Um, for Snatch Game, I did, you do? I did Voldemort for Snatch Game. <laughs> right. I did Voldemort for Snatch Game two fucking years ago now. That's insane. And I was in, it was the only week that somebody else was in the top two with Islea. Islea and I were in the top two for Snatch Game that week. And she had won the lip sync, but that episode, I was like, I fucking killed this. You won the hearts. Yeah, I was like, I, <laughs> she had won the lip sync. And I mean, oh my God, Isleya had like, oh, sorry. Isleya had smoked me in that lip sync, but I was like, work. Is there a week you wish you could have done over? Country week. <laughs> country week. I would that do over sounds like a, a question, an answer. A lot of people have said, why country week? What was so hard? Country week was a hot ass mess. Um, we had a sub host that week and... Golden, Golden Delicious was our sub host. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I loved getting to meet her and work with her that week. Um, we had a sub host and Country Week, it was just like, I think a lot of us were like, oh, Country Week. I, I certainly was. And I did something that I just thought was hilarious and funny. I did Hannah Montana. Um, uh-huh. And the look was a crunchy, disgusting mess, but also like, that was also kind of intentional. I would, I would do Country Week over and I would do Country Week taking it seriously. I would do like my research That's fair. and like really put together like a country look and like turn it out. And now, so you were freaking out about that week and Acacia forgot, like, finally. Yeah. I mean, she was like, I remember country week specifically. She was fab. She killed it. Yeah. Now, what is the hardest part about doing a long form competition? Budget. <laughs> sure. Budget, whether then or now, like if I did a long form competition right now, then at the time it was, okay, how am I going to find the money to do what was my best at the time? And now it would be, how do I plan out my money to really sort of show out at the level that like I would want to. You competed in Drag Wars. You did Ultimate Drag Pageant. You've done Lady Liberty. You're going to do it again. Why are competitions like this important to making careers for drag artists starting out? I think actually this week this week is my first week doing Lady Liberty, which I'm so excited about. Okay. Been, I had done Read My Lips before that though. The last competition mm-hmm. I did was Read My Lips. And I love competitions. I 
I think competitions force me out of my comfort zone. And I think competitions sort of remind me when I can get stuck in sort of like my routine or my schedule that like, no bitch, like keep you on your toes, like stay on your toes, do something, like take a risk. Competitions always push me to like, A, take a risk. B, I think they're really important because it's an opportunity to meet other artists mm -hmm. that have such vastly different perspectives than you and offer a completely different creative point of view. And I don't think I've left a competition with people that I'm like, oh my God, I would never want to work with that person again. Like, oh, I've left, every competition I've done, I've left being like, somebody has like blown me away or inspired me. And I'm like, I need to manifest us working together in the future because I think you're amazing. That's awesome. Now you start 2019, you're in the beginning stages of your drag career then the world shuts down. What, how, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like you lost momentum or did that give you more time to polish your skills before the world reopened? It gave me time, I think, without needing to be somewhere in person constantly mm -hmm. to focus and to like really sort of sit down and say, where do I want to go with this? who is Janae Sequa at like her core and how do I take the vision in my head and make it reality? Um, sure. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research into just things that like generally inspired me. I did research into things that like techniques that I had no idea about and um, makeup in design in really everything like and it was just a like wonderful opportunity to sort of dig a little bit deeper into the individual components that make up that sort of all contribute to the same pot that make up drag and I got a lot of like really awesome concepts and looks and photo shoots and things out of it so I was grateful for that. Let's talk about looks how do you put a look together? Uh, depends on the look and if it depends on, depends on the look and depends on the occasion. I'm someone that mm -hmm. finds inspiration from a lot of different things. I've, I've found inspiration from the way that things like move in nature. Like I, for my uh, element series, my, I've done like a couple look series now. And my element series was a look series I did based on the four elements. And it was entirely inspired by nature. It really was. I had seen, mm -hmm. uh, my boyfriend and I had gone on like a mini date to the lighthouse up in Washington Heights. Mm -hmm. And we had sat by the water and just kind of like hung out and talked like all afternoon. And it was sort of there, it was one of those, like it was that that sort of gave me the idea of like, I liked the way that like that moved. I liked the way that like, that was very inspired by sort of nature and my surroundings. Um, my Greek gods and goddesses series was very inspired by like, history and research and then also like sure. taking those things and sort of saying okay what do those look like in maybe a more contemporary lens not so literal um I'm inspired by music I'm inspired by art I'm inspired by my surroundings I'm inspired by and a lot of the time I start from inspiration so like the inspiration for something will hit me or I'll get my attention will get captured by something and then I'll say okay how can I manifest that into like a silhouette sure 2020 was the year of digital drag. 
you partook in quite a few of them. And I feel like for a lot of us, that was at least my introduction to who you were, was seeing you in the digital realm. What was the experience like bringing your art from stage to screen? It was fun. It was, it was fun. I mean, there were some technical difficulties always like navigating digital drag. I think at the beginning was hard and shitty for everybody. I think everyone was kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? You were in like, most people were in a space that was like, uh, like four by four. And you were like, how the (laughs) fuck am I supposed to do like a full ass number in this? Um, the digital thing kind of started for me when I had done the first digital show I did was a live on Marty's Instagram and mm-hmm. I had done that. And then I had done a one year digital anniversary show. And then I had done a couple other like digital show collabs and guest spots for other people. And it was really fun. I liked, it took me a little bit longer than I had hoped to like figure out how to take production value to the digital realm. But I think sure. in the digital realm, it was a lot of me being like, look, this is who I am and this is my heart. Like I put a lot of my yeah. heart into a lot of that stuff. And it was like, I think people could tell that I was enjoying what I was doing. And I think that made it impactful. Any favorite performances? <sighs> yes. My one year, my one year anniversary show, my performance was not my favorite. Everyone else's was though. I thought they were all just so fucking great. And like to have all of my friends in the same digital show to celebrate one year of me doing drag was like, a dream come true. Um, and the first ever, the first ever live show I did on Marty's Instagram was like a super memorable experience for me. It was my first time doing something like that. Once the, re- the world reopened, you took charge, created a lot of opportunities for yourself. How did that all come about? That, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of it was right place, right time. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of it was like intentions that had nothing to do with opportunities, intentions that had to do with like, kind of like working with my community and then sort of turned into like, what was the best way for me to do that? And it was doing what I knew how to do best. Um, My working in Brooklyn when things that summer of COVID, when people were like sort of allowed outside with like a mask on and you could only be outside. Mm -hmm. That was super interesting because it was sort of my first experiences with like hosting. And I was like, oh wait, I can really like, you put a mic in my hand, I know how to connect with people. I can do that. Okay, cool. Then it was like with my show that I was doing in Harlem or with like the Juneteenth show that I just did this year, it was sort of like, how can I take principles or things that are really, really important to me and establish them as like a moment or a pillar in my community or in the communities that we exist in. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was like, it was me just kind of like being like, I have this idea. This is how I would like to make it happen and just trying Mm -hmm. and it turning into like people being willing to take a chance on me. And once someone's willing to take a chance on me, I'm someone that like, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that that succeeds. I'm not someone that like, would let somebody down in that way. I mean, it goes back to what you're saying earlier about your attitude being a hustler. Like you have to have that attitude and that drive and determination or otherwise someone else is going to get that opportunity before you. Absolutely. And I think, like I said, like for me, it was never a lot of those things. Never, I never went into them being like, Oh, I'm going to do this show here. It was like, yeah, it was like when I started my show in Harlem, it was like, 
Boxers in Washington Heights is closed. I don't know anywhere that has a drag show north of Hell's Kitchen right now. I want to mm-hmm. change that. I wanted a space where I could do a drag show where I could do all the black artists that I wanted to and artists of color could come and perform and be their most authentic selves on stage and do the things that they might not get to do elsewhere for audiences that looked a lot more diverse than anywhere else in New York City. Um, yeah. For Juneteenth, it was sort of the same thing. For Juneteenth, I was like, my drag sister, Blake Deadly, had actually reached out to me being like, $3 bill has this time open for programming. I'm not a person of color. Do you want to do an event there on Juneteenth and I can help you in sort of any facilitate sort of in any way that you need. And we had put that together. We worked on that show with um, a gentleman named Steven and a woman named Desira. And the four of us had worked on that show for like six or seven weeks. We put all of the details that, of that together. And when I was in charge of like booking and casting, that was like a dream experience because I said, okay, what does a lineup of like artists that if I went to see a show, I'd be in absolute awe. Like what does my dream lineup of collaborators look like? And they all said yes. And I was like, mind blown. It's a, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. I was that, that experience like changed my whole world. That was like mind blowing. Yeah. For me, that was one of my favorite parts about doing the digital shows because you are able to, bring people together that normally would not be able to be in the same room together for yeah. a variety of different reasons and casting those all of my um digital shows really were the highlight of my digital time um yeah. though i miss it a little bit I, I i i wish we were in a place where we could still do digital shows but let's be real no one wants to sit in front of a computer anymore that's true i think now that i think now that we're allowed back outside people are very just sort of eager to have that like in-person connection again but one day there'll be a world where like the two marry sort of seamlessly. Yeah. So from Alibi Lounge to $3 bill to the queue, what have been some of your favorite venues to work at? Uh, I really, really loved working at, I love working at the queue. I really love working at the queue. Working at the queue has been sort of like a mind blowing like experience and like what a venue that has resources can really do. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and it's it's nothing complicated like I'm someone that's very used to making it work in any space but they have like water for us they have a room where we can get ready that's really really large and like I don't have to like shove all of my stuff in one bag and work out of like a small bathroom stall like yeah. they have the venue itself is gorgeous and the space is brand new and beautiful um I also really liked working at three dollar bill I mean I I only worked there sort of that one-off day and it was like a long day. It was like a 15 hour day, but it was still like, the venue is very, very nice and everything works very smoothly and efficiently. And the security staff is really, really nice. I'm someone when I'm working at big venues, I like to like really meet everybody, like sure. sort of contributing to that in that day. So when I first got to $3 bill, I'd introduce myself to like the security guards, the bartenders, the vendors all that were all there, the like light and sound person, the DJ, and like everyone was so kind and like, on the same page about what we were all there to do that day, which was nice. Um, the Toolbox, I work at the Toolbox every Friday um, and all of the staff at the Toolbox has been lovely and divine and they're so sweet and getting to know them and all of the patrons that go there. A lot of the bars that I've worked at so far, I, I almost all of them, I have not had a bad experience. Uh, my show at Alibi is on pause because of experiences that were less than favorable. And I uh, will just say that. 
<laughs> Listen, you know what? Everything can't be perfect. There has to be one or two bad experiences that are going to not only shape you as an artist, but shape the community because that's just the reality. We, if we had every venue be a perfect queer space, we'd all be happy, but that's not how the world works. Yeah, definitely. Is there a venue that you haven't had uh, an opportunity to work at yet that is a dream place for you? Yes, I would love to do a show. I would love to do a show at Industry. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very interested in The Spot. That new, the new bar, The Spot. Mm -hmm. Their stage space is gorgeous. Um, I, I've never been to Queens. I've never performed in Dragon mm -hmm. Queens. Um, mm -hmm. And I've seen like videos of like Icon and things like that. I think their bar seems really, really cool. And they all seem to have- Sure like, a is. Uh, yeah, so in Queens, I would say Icon. In Manhattan, I would say Industry. In Brooklyn, um, Come On Everybody, that new space where they're doing like a bunch of shows right now. It seems really mm -hmm. fun and kind of like a blast. I would love to do that. So we're going to play a game. It's yeah. going to be the first time we're going to play this game on the podcast. It is called Finish, My, Finish the Sentence. Very Ooh, simple. Okay. I'm going to give you a sentence and you're going to finish it. We'll start easy. My favorite color is? Pink. If I were an animal, I'd be? A hyena. When I was a kid, I wanted to be? A Broadway star. Okay, I like that one. My celebrity crush is? Jordan Fisher. Oh, good one. All right, all right. My dream vacation is? Aruba. Okay. My biggest pet peeve is? Wasting my time. Yep. Mm -hmm. The biggest lie I ever told was? Um, that I forgave someone for something I did not. Okay. All right. The reality show I would win is? Ooh, that's a fuck. That's a good one. Um, the reality show I would win. Drag Race. All right. Okay, let's go with that one. And finally, let's get you in trouble. The New York City queen I want to Kai Kai with is? Ha! Ha! <laughs> none <laughs> i was like all right fine we'll... like my boyfriend <laughs> there you go there there's your answer um what i'm gonna i'm gonna that's the question i'm gonna ask everyone who comes on the show someone's gonna answer it and we're gonna get the tea someone's going to i mean my boyfriend i will say like look i my boyfriend is not like a stick in the mud i think someone i think is really really cute um Hold on, let me let me let me take one second and really think. About it. <laughs> I mean, there's so many cute drag queens and drag kings and drag things. Like there's we have there's so many drag artists out there. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I don't know. I'm trying to think locally. Okay. Are we, you mean locally or famous? Either. You go famous. Famous. Famous? No, wait. Famous Aquaria. 
Yeah, yeah. Famous Aquaria. I've definitely messaged her on uh, uh, Scruff before. <laughs> I was like, I know that face. I'm just going to say hi. No, you're not going to respond, but nice, yeah. n- famous, nice meeting famous, you. I would say Aquaria. I think... I and think, that covers New York also. Yeah, I think Out of Drag Aquaria is adorable. And my boyfriend knows that I have like a low-key crush <laughs> on Aquaria. So I like to go behind the music a little bit and discover what is your signature number and how did it become your signature number? Um, my signature number would probably be my Black Lives Matter mix. Um, again, did not intend for that to be my signature number. I had worked on my Black Lives Matter mix during COVID with one of my really, really good friends, Phoebe Gbs. Um, right at sort of the height of like the protests and things like that. And we had no intention of working on a mix. I was sitting there like talking to her. We were hanging out about like my frustrations and everything that was going on in this country. And she was like, you should put it into your art. And I was like, girl, I don't even know the first way to do that right now. I was just kind of seeing red. I was like, ah, Mm -hmm. pissed. And she was like, we'll put it into a mix. And literally within like two and a half hours, we had like a whole fully fleshed out realized mix. And I had done it for the first time in the like live show on Marty's Instagram and people kind of went crazy for it. They were like, oh my mm-hmm. God. And then at other shows I had done, people requested it and requested it. Um, I haven't done it in a while because it's it's intense, it's heavy. I mean, it comes with a, like, it comes with a very clear sort of political message, but like I did it at Juneteenth. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of artists that were there that I really, really respect had seen it for the first time and they were like, I absolutely love that. Um, and that was really, really great. And I've never seen anything like that. So keep doing that. And I was like, thank you so much. Now, when you create a mix, what comes first? The, the theme, the song, the, the spoken word? How, how is your creative process? Story, like story slash subject of what I want the mix to be about. Um, mm-hmm. Story slash subject of what I want the mix to be about. Music. Music comes next. I feel like I have a clearer knowledge of songs than I do like the thing that I struggle with in mixes is finding like audio clips dialogue clips and audio clips my brain doesn't necessarily work that way I don't my brain doesn't work in sounds my brain works I think more in images and so Mm -hmm. like I can imagine how I want a look to look I can imagine how I want a performance to look I can imagine how I want choreography to look but sometimes like thinking of audio clips or finding audio clips it takes me a lot longer to find those um and then once I have those I usually my, again, my friend Phoebe taught me all of this. She's a mix fucking master and I adopted her process. Um, throw them all into like a YouTube playlist, just like combine them all into like a YouTube private playlist. And then once I have all of my like sort of materials compiled, then go through and be like, put this section with this section, that section with that section and kind of puzzle piece it all together. Nice. What song are you most looking forward to performing in a drag roulette? Of like songs of 2021. Of 2021. Of 2021. Any, anything Dua, I know it. Anything mm-hmm. Dua, I know it. Future Nostalgia, that album fucking slaps. Um, Chromatica, I would know it. Um, Chloe Tally, I would know it. Doja, I would know it. Um, like guaranteed know every single word, definitely Dua, know most of them, Doja, 
and then anything Ariana, if they put on like yeah. any different positions, I know that too. Well, we're going to keep the music going and we're going to play uh, another new game. Okay. It is going to be called Janae's Ultimate Playlist. Oh, music shit. is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. So I'm going to give you nine prompts and you're going to tell me what song fits each and then we'll share it with the audience. Okay, let's do it. All right, first one. A song that reminds you of home. A song that reminds me of home. That thing, Lauren Hill. Okay. Your go-to karaoke song. Mm. Oh my God, I haven't done karaoke in so long. <laughs> um, right now, it would be hopelessly devoted to you, Freeze. All right. A song that brings you joy. Finesse, Bruno Mars, and Cardi B. A song you sing in the shower. Oh, that's a good one, too. The last shower song I was absolutely belting out, it was Adele, All I Ask. Okay. A song that reminds you of summer. Woman, Doja Cat. The song that would be in the opening credits of the movie of your life. Dreamgirls from Dreamgirls. A song that you listen to when you're down. Um, Sam Smith, Demi Lovato. Um, the one that's like they're ready for somebody to love them that one mm -hmm. a song that makes you feel powerful anything beyonce any anyone specifically Anything off of Beyonce's homecoming album, her specifically her okay. Coachella, like Beyonce's homecoming, that one. And finally, the song that made you who you are. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Oh man. I don't know that there would just be one, but. Okay. Song that made me who I am. Yeah, I really don't know that there would just be one. I would say a song that like, I would say a song that's done that. Um, probably like a Whitney song. Right, there's Janae's ultimate playlist. Yeah, oh my gosh. I have to go back and think about some of those. I have to, I have to, I have to reconsider. Some, well, not reconsider. I have to like consider more deeply some of those. I, yeah. Fun. 
I like okay, this game's work. So these this is good. I'm gonna keep playing with this one. I I think this is gonna be fun to like share what the um my interviewees uh really respond to. That's super fun, yeah. The hard thing is like as soon as someone on the spot. Yeah, yeah, as soon as someone asks you to think of a song on the spot, suddenly you've never listened to music before in your life. You're like, I don't <laughs> exactly. Okay, so why is drag important to the community? Drag is important to the community because it's connecting with people it's connecting with human beings on a level that's sort of deeper than just like drag I think allows you to communicate things that wouldn't necessarily be air quotes easy to communicate otherwise like with drag you can you can send a message or you can make a statement about something that people might not pay attention to if you express it in a different way and I think mm-hmm. for me, that's always something that I'm trying to consider at all of my shows. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a small thing, but at all of my shows, I would want people to come and leave different than they were when they got there. Whatever that means. Maybe they learned something. Maybe they're in a better mood. Maybe they're asking questions. Maybe they're, I don't know, whatever it is, but like drag allows you, drag is important because it allows you to connect with your community on a deeper level than just the surface. How important is social media in the drag scene today? Unfortunately, very. Unfortunately, social media is very important in the drag scene. There are pros and cons to it. I think the pros of it are we can connect with artists from all over the world and all over the country. Um, The cons of it are people fall victim to comparison. People fall victim to the trap of productivity, people fall victim to feeling like, oh, I have a social media account with this many followers, which means I have to be like putting out content at this rate or that rate or that rate. And it's like, we shouldn't feel bound to the confines of posting within a specific time frame or rate. We should Mm -hmm. share our art and share our work that we're most passionate about when we're most passionate about it. And I think that's sort of the like, the trap of social media. But unfortunately at the moment we live in a digital world and it's super, super important, so. Is nightlife competitive? Yes, I don't think it has to be. Yes, because we're talking about a job. We're talking about careers and we're talking about, we're talking about careers and we're talking about opportunities. So yes, because like any field anywhere, when you're dealing with people's money, it's a serious deal. You're dealing with people's livelihoods, it's a serious deal. That being said, I think what's meant for us is meant for us and was not taken by somebody else. You know what I mean? I think there's, mm-hmm. there is room for everyone to shine somewhere. And Absolutely. I think the competitive aspect where I disagree with it is like, oh, well, I got to go here so that I don't lose this gig to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there is no losing this to so-and-so. It's what's meant for you is meant for you. And it will it will come to you when it's meant to come to you. This question I feel like is going to be something I'm going to continue to ask for a while. Um, but diversity, visibility, it's really not great in nightlife. How can bar owners, venues, producers, and other drag artists do better at hiring artists of color? look at your lineup and commit yourself to making sure that there's somebody on there that you don't know anything about and learn from them. Like put people, I always say, 
diversity is having people of different identities or the people of different intersections of identities in the room. Inclusion is giving people of different identity intersections power and opportunities. Like, mm -hmm. don't be the bar owner who has six, night, six nights a week of like white queen, white queen, white queen, white queen, sort of tokenized queen of color or artist of color. Don't be that bar. Be the bar that goes, okay, what is the style of drag that's most common to me or most familiar to me? What do I know? Who are the artists that do that? Okay, great. Let's have a night of that, sure. Now, what are the styles of drag that I know nothing about? What are the styles of art in that way that I know nothing about? Book drag kings, book drag things, book drag, book AFAB queens, book trans artists, book queer musicians. Like it's one of those things that's like, if your lineup is essentially the same poster five or six times, shake that shit up. And if you don't know anything about that, bring somebody into the room who does, because there's plenty of now people now, what do you say to the bar owner, not, not naming names, just saying to the bar owner who then pushes back and says, well, I know what the audience wants. You know what the audience that you've already cultivated wants. You have no idea what an audience that hasn't been to your bar yet wants. You, you, know, what, you know what an audience wants because that's the audience that you're accustomed to having. But nothing, even the most successful queens that are booked everywhere got there overnight. Some bar had to say, they were a new queen at some point. They were a new artist at some point. Some bar had to turn around and say, yeah, give them a slot. Be the person to take a chance on the artist that you don't know or you don't fully understand that does the work. If the work is there, trust that. Trust the artist to do that work. Ask for whatever you want. Ask for performance footage. Ask for a resume. Ask for an audition if you want to. Hell, I don't really care. But once the work is done, once you've confirmed that the work is there, be the person to take a chance on building something new because you know audiences that are familiar to you. You have no idea what your profits or margins could look like if you bring in a new crowd. Mm -hmm. Are you optimistic that it will get better? Yes, and optimistic that it'll get better because I would like to believe that I'm committed to being someone who's hoping to fight for that change still. Um, but I also know that nothing changes overnight. So I'm not in, sure. I've, I've got my goals and I've got sort of what I'm focused on and the work that I intend to do, but also like, I'm not a miracle worker and I know that it's a process and that, that learning, Absolutely. that learning takes time. So. I, I hear you. I respect it. Let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's play the cameo game show. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the, the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. And we are going to play the Drag Race edition. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. All right. First up, Silky Nutmeg Ganache or Eureka O'Hara? Eureka. Correct. Eureka is $200 and Silky is $125. Next up, Scarlet Envy or Serena Cha-Cha? Scarlet. Yep, Scarlet is 100 and Serena Cha-Cha is 50. Next we have Joey J or Tamisha Amon. Child. <laughs> Child. 
I'm going to say that Tamisha Amon is more expensive. Tamisha Amon is coming for you. She is $60 and Joey J is only $55. Next up, Jinx Monsoon or The Vivian? I think Viv is more expensive. Fair question. They're both $90. So the winners are at a, at a, a stationary $90. Wow. Next up, two people who may or may not be on a show together one day. I don't know. Just, who knows? Jimbo or Janie Jacquet? I think Jimbo's more. Jimbo is 55. Janie Jacquet is 60. So well, $5 more, you get the, the, the second place finisher of Drag Race Holland. Really? And ho ho hopefully um, guest on Block Talk soon. We're, we're trying to make that one happen. Um, She's fab. Next like up, her. next up, the sisters, Kitamine or Anita Wiglet. Kitta, she's the winner. That's true. Kitamine is eighty nine. Anita Wiglet is thirty four. But if you want uh, Anita to do the queen, that's one twenty five. That's fair. I mean, a winning a winning snatch game. Yeah, that that's fair. Next up from Drag Race UK three, Ella of a day or Charity Case. Charity. Charity is 40. Ella is 45. What? Yeah. No, sorry. Next. Charity, you need to up your price based on the stuff she's done pre-Jag Race, girl. Fair. All right, next up are two of our uh, hosts and mentors on Call Me Mother, which was officially announced in the cast today, Peppermint or Crystal? Peppermint. Peppermint is 99. Crystal is 35. So yeah, um, but yeah, that cast just came out today. New drag show coming October 25th. And I'm like, I can't do any more drag. I don't know if I can cover it. I don't know if I can do it. That's awesome. I'm excited for that. And finally, how much can you get a Monique Hart cameo for? Oh, she's got to be expensive. Monique is doing so much. Uh, 150. Only 95. Really? Yeah. That's not that bad. Who would you want a cameo from? Envy Peru. Say it out. Oh, Envy Peru, right. Boyfriend, listen, Envy Peru, when, when she's available. Envy Peru, Carmen Ferrala, and then I guess Shangela, because I, I love her. I do love Shangela. I just, I don't know that I would want a cameo from her. I would want to work with her. That's fair. That's fair. Listeners, I, I my, my big birthday is coming up in January. Davina DeCampo, Scarlet Harlot, I want them, please. Just saying. There you go. Right, we're gonna play everyone everyone's favorite game. It's called Tea Time. You're gonna spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, ah. colleagues, people you share a stage with, sometimes a digital stage with. I don't know, maybe you actually hate them now. We'll find out soon. Are you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. First up is your new co-host, Essence. I love Essence. I think Essence is a bad bitch. I really do. Um, I like working with Essence because Essence and I are so different. So every time I watch Essence perform, I feel like I can take something away that I would not have thought of or done. She's, she's so funny. Essence is funny because she's quite spontaneous and she's mm -hmm. got a very sort of chill laid back personality. And then she hits the stage and she just becomes an absolute beast. Um, yeah, I, it was an unlikely pairing. It's not a pairing that I think I would have thought of, but I'm really, really grateful mm -hmm. that we're a team now at the queue. Next up is Mirda. I think Esmirda is fab. 
Esmierda and I actually know each other from college. Esmierda was in the first ever drag show that I produced at our college. And then she unfortunately had to stop being a student at Marymount for a while because it was too expensive. And in my senior year for the last drag show I ever produced, I brought her back as the host when we had turned it into a competition and she fucking mm -hmm. killed it. That bitch is creative. She is sweet as can be and she keeps it fucking real. Love her. Love it. Next up, you mentioned before, Phoebe Jeebies. Phoebe is, Phoebe is my sister. Phoebe is my sister and one of my best friends down. Um, Phoebe is funny. Phoebe has a dry humor about her and she can be so sarcastic sometimes, but she knows what she's doing. And I've never met somebody that knows their way around like a mix better than her. Nobody knows their way around a mix better than Phoebe. And I, I love working with her because she's, she is the chaos to my sort of like straight edge when we work mm -hmm. together. And I'm like, she keeps me like, she keeps me quick. She keeps me kind of silly and stupid when we work together. And I, I, I'm grateful to her for that. Next up is someone who was iconic in, in my competition and a pal of yours, Paris Lahomey. Oh, Paris. Paris is a bad bitch. Paris is a bad bitch. Paris is someone who, for me, I learn how to carry myself and not to take any shit just from watching Paris. Paris is someone that the drag scene, different environments in the drag scene have unfortunately been unkind to them. Mm -hmm. And that blows my mind because Paris is somebody who is an artist through and through. The makeup that Paris is capable of, the creations and looks that Paris turns out. I was a fan of Paris before we were friends. And so to be, to have had the opportunities to work with Paris as many times as I have now and to call them a friend is like, love Paris. Nice. Next up, Roquet. <laughs> Roquet keeps it so real. Roquet. Roquet is one of the most genuine people I know. And she, she will get you together. Roquet does not bullshit. She does not bullshit anybody. And I respect that about her. She is about her business. She was one of the first, she was one of the first three people that I had at my show at Alibi. And she was the only other person for a period of time that had her own show at Alibi, which I got to do with her when she had it. She got screwed over by that place. And I felt awful about how the way that place mm -hmm. treated her because she works her ass off and she doesn't take any shit and she's committed to what she does and she's good at what she does. And so, okay, know that you were right about that place. You were right about him and the sky is the limit for both of us, babe. I love her. Another name who kind of blew up during uh, the lockdown period, Lucia Fuchsia. Lucia. Lucia and I worked together on Girls Gone Viral. And I think what she has been able to do in the Brooklyn scene is quite impressive. Quite impressive. And I respect the hustle. Um, her competition 
the fabulous mixed metal that she does with Chase Runaway. Um, looks sickening. I had my show on Tuesday, so I was never unfortunately able to attend. Um, but a lot of contestants from that competition came and did my show with me at Alibi, which was lovely. Um, she's worked hard. She's worked really, really hard. I was very impressed to see that she had done the competition in Fire Island and won, um, I think it was Entertainer, like the best mm -hmm. entertainer. Um, and she's another one that like, she, she sets her sights on a goal. She's focused on it and she goes for it. So super proud. All right, next up, Jupiter Doll. Love Jupiter. Love Jupiter, love Jupiter. Jupiter and I connected when we did UDP. I think Jupiter is vastly intelligent. Jupiter is vastly intelligent and I'm constantly learning from them. I'm constantly learning from Jupiter. And Jupiter, I mean, I used to go over to Jupiter's house and get ready with Jupiter and Charlotte when we were doing Girls Gone Viral. I would take all my stuff over there. We'd all get ready together and then head to Brooklyn to the gig. I think Jupiter is a fabulous performer, a very, very dear friend. And yeah, I, I, I miss Jupiter. I haven't had a chance to really see them in such a long time. What do you got to say about Ruby Slay Monroe? That, that bitch is sickening. That bitch is sickening and she is so supportive. Ruby is another one that like, I saw Ruby in passing when she had shown up to the queue as I was leaving, but mm. I'm super proud of Ruby. Like all of the contestants that I got to work with in Ultimate Drag Pageant have grown so much. All of us have grown so much and all of us have sort of like done our best to leave our mark and continue to like evolve as performers, artists, and creators of drag. And I think Ruby is stunning. Ruby has always been stunning. She was beautiful back in UDP and she's only gotten more gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I love watching videos of her perform. She's a ball of energy. That bitch explodes on stage. And I, I'm super impressed by it. Next is someone that's hard to forget, Acacia Forgot. Acacia, Acacia. I actually wish that Acacia and I had more opportunities to get to know each other. We had done UDP mm -hmm. and then after that kind of fell off. I hadn't really had the opportunity to connect with her or work with her since then. I think her wig business is very, very impressive. She does some pretty incredible hair for so many queens all over the city. And I know that she takes what she does really, really seriously. Yeah. So. Next, someone you mentioned before, Tina Twirler. Tina. Tina, when I first started drag, kind of filled the role, like kind of held the sort of older sister place. Like I remember watching Tina when I first started doing Drag Wars and was like mind blown at watching her perform. The way that she kind of held an audience in the palm of her hand and captivated people. I thought it was fucking fantastic. She's booked everywhere. She is hardworking as fuck. And I'm always proud of her when I see her perform. And I always appreciate when she gets to come see me. So next up is someone you call mother, Marty Gold Cummings. Oh my goodness, Marty. Marty is a real life superhero to me. Marty is somebody that I don't know. And it's so funny because I am in her family like, I've texted her, she's texted me, like we've worked together. Like the allure of who she is and like 
how special she is to me, I don't think will ever go away. I remember getting to meet her when I started UDP. And I remember after UDP being on one of her Instagram lives and her asking me if I had a drag mother and being like, I am your drag mother now. And I, people would be hard pressed to find somebody more passionate, more genuine and committed to what they do. Like you want to talk about a hustle, Marty never sleeps to the point where we're constantly pushing her to be like, take a break, pause. And mm -hmm. I think she, she's always looked out for me. She's always pushed me to think differently and to stay focused on my goals and what I want to do. And she is like, and she somehow does all of that while being like one of the kindest people ever. I absolutely love Marty. Now I got to talk about your sister Peaches. That is my girl. Peaches is my girl. I, Peaches saw me perform in UDP, like the first week that I was there. Peaches was there for 80s week. She saw me perform the first week in UDP. Then Peaches was there several times throughout our season. And Peaches is one of the people other than Marty who got to really be there since the beginning and watch my growth and evolution. She is mm -hmm. crazy. Peaches is a lunatic and I tease her all the time for it. I'm like, bitch, you're crazy and you're working yourself into the ground and I love her and I respect how passionate she is. I respect that she is somebody that puts actions before words as far as standing up for the community and putting her money and her resources where they need to be the most. She has always looked out for me and done everything she can to position me for success and opportunities. And whenever she can't be somewhere or needs someone to cover, I've always been one of the first people on her mind. And Peaches is like, Peaches is genuinely like my older sister. Yeah, she's wonderful. And finally, Islaya. Islaya. Islaya, it is not an exaggeration to say that Islaya from the day that I met her inspired me. I saw Islaya I don't think the first week I did Drag Wars, I think the second week. And I remember going to my boyfriend after the show when we were on our way home and being like, that bitch is incredible. Like that yep. queen turns it. Islea is someone that I can go to when I'm in every direction, but where I need to be. Cause she just knows what to say. She just knows what to say because she says what's on her heart. And when I'm all tangled up and caught up in bullshit that doesn't matter, Islea has always been someone that I can go to and be like, Islea, what's the tea? Am I, am, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess right now, girl, what's the tea? She turns it on stage. She mm -hmm. is stunning. She is real. She's 100% real. And just from being her friend, I'm like, I gotta keep working. I got to get myself up and I got to keep working and I got to stay focused on what I'm trying to do because that's what she does every day. And I'm like, yeah. I'm taking a page out of her book as far as that's concerned. You've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching videos of? Designs, runways, mm -hmm. runways and designs. I'm watching videos of either runways or designs or production numbers. I'm obsessed okay. with production numbers, whether it's Broadway shows or like 
one of my really good sisters, um, and she's actually the newest member of the House of Cummings, Nani Tsunami. She and I talk every single day. And we've recently fallen into like, well, not recently, but we've fallen into watching like pageants, like entertainer mm -hmm. year, things like that. I love watching designs and runway shows. And I love watching big over the top, ridiculous production numbers. I'm obsessed with them. If you could eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pasta. Pasta. Okay. Any specific kind or just keep those sauces rolling? Keep the sauces rolling. Pasta. I make a really good pesto sauce. And okay. then I make um, a Cajun chicken Alfredo. All right. I'm obsessed I, with I, Last night I did that TikTok trend where you do the... Um, the, the uh, cherry tomatoes and then put feta on top and roast it uh, for like 40 minutes and then it just all melts together. It was, was it one good? of the best pastas. I've, it was so good. Really, really good. Pasta or breakfast foods? Pancakes. Okay. Pancakes. Pancakes? Mm -hmm. Do you have political aspirations? I don't know. The honest answer is it's not something I've ever thought about before. Mm-hmm. The honest answer is I've never sat here and been like, oh, like, would I run for office one day? Never, never crossed my mind. Am I like constantly thinking of how I could better help communities and like work with people from that don't necessarily like, people that are not like the center of the universe? Yes. So like maybe. Right, not a bad thing. If you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Peaches. Yeah. Peaches or Phoebe? Who's going to be eating all the crazy shit? Peaches or Phoebe? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to jump off the building? I'll do that. All right. Okay. So it's an even split. All right. We got, we like that. We're going to move into the pop five rapid fire. We're going to give you five pop culture headline stories you're going to meet, give me a word, phrase, whatever you want to talk about for each. Great. We're going to start off, number one, Instagram and Facebook, blackout. Good. All of us were going crazy because we were like, ah, we need to advertise our shows and talk about what's going on. But good. Fuck it. Eight hours of no social media. Do something else. Yeah, it was stressful for me because like, I hadn't sent out my, my Zoom links for my uh, interviews yesterday. I was like, I don't know what to do. But I was finally able to find everyone on Twitter and make that happen because I don't use Twitter. So I will say good because it allowed us to sort of take a step back from that, but also like eye opening because it's like, if we do need to get our art out there, because people make money from their art. If you're making money from your art and you need to get your art out there, have a backup on how to do it now. Mailing list yep. or something. So like, good, we learned something. Carrier pigeon. Yeah, I'm like, get one of those. <laughs> All right, number two is Adele's rumored new album, 30, is coming. Obsessed? Bring me sad boy autumn. Bring it to me. Bring me Adele. Bring me Adele back because when the album drops, I'm doing it like, I'm doing one of the numbers like the next day. Like my next show, right. I'm doing the numbers, game the fuck on, bring it to me. All right, number three is Marvel's What If on Disney+. Plus. I'm obsessed. I love Marvel. I It's probably the only thing that I'm kind of a nerd for, and people might not know that about me. I really like the Marvel movies. I'm a super nerd for them. I am watching What If. Have not watched 
the most recent episode, but really excited about how all of these TV shows are integrating into the timeline of like what's to come. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Marvel character? Hmm. I enjoy, I did enjoy T'Challa as Black Panther a lot. All of the characters mm-hmm. in Black Panther, T'Challa, Okoye, Shuri, I enjoyed all of them. I actually enjoyed Anthony Mackie in Falcon and the Winter Soldier specifically. I thought he did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you'll get to listen to a fun podcast that took six hours to record where we rank the 24 movies. Did it really? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, number four is Ariana Grande debuts as a new coach on The Voice. Obsessed. I had to confront the fact the other day that I'm an Ariana fan. Her oh, music, no. I had, to, I had to confront that fact. I'm not a stan. I'm not a stan. I don't, like, I don't have an Ariana tattoo. I'm not, like chasing down her wedding photos or shit like that but if one of her songs comes on in the car or in the club i know it and we're gonna dance all right there you go and finally number five squid game haven't seen it but i heard it's so good um i'm just gonna tell you right now uh you might have very graphic vivid nightmares i heard it's intense I have not had um, a good night's sleep because I've had so many vivid dreams, not from the show, but just about violence. And I don't have violent dreams. But this show really, really changed me. I heard it's really intense. It's very intense. It's on the list. It's on the list. Watch the, watch the sub, not the dub. I did the dub and I regret it. But I don't have the time to go back and watch the sub version. Mm. I got some fan corner questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is a question from Amanda Massacre. You've done so many amazing things already. What are your goals for the next five years? My goals for the next five years, I want to continue producing, continue mm-hmm. producing shows. Like I would love to make my Juneteenth show annual mm-hmm. and I would love to produce a holiday show where the proceeds will go towards a children's organization. Nice. Um, I would love to go on tour in five, like by five years, I would love to go on a tour somewhere, specifically probably a tour of like all artists of color. I think that'd be awesome. I would love to start some sort of like organization or training ground where kids of color and kids in the LGBTQIA plus community can come and really enrich themselves in their artistic passions. So like what I would call like leveling the playing field of like, there are lots of training programs that exist that cost a lot of money and such talented kids that don't have the money to go to them. And I would love to create a space through drag that those students, those artists can come and really cultivate their skills so they can step into the world of the professional arts and succeed. Nice. This is a question from Miss Coco Taylor. What are you excited about with Leg Up on Life? Uh, yes, I love, I am, I love being the newest board member of Leg Up on Life. I'm super excited about a, oh my God, I don't know if I'm allowed to say some of these things. I'm super excited about, <laughs> I almost said something that I was like, wait, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that before they announce it. Um, I am very, very excited to be a part of Leg Up on Life in a board member capacity. I'm really excited to be working 
with Daniel and Coco and the other board members on Queens for a Cause right now that we're doing monthly. Um, I'm really excited about an event that they said we might be doing in November. Mm -hmm. An event we may be doing in November that's super classy and elegant, get to get all dressed up for. Um, and then some of the like big in-person fundraisers that we can come back and do at the start of 2022. Nice. So I have my previous guests ask my current guest a question. And this is a question from Islaya. I'm ready. What is the most embarrassing moment in drag? The most embarrassing moment in drag. <laughs> uh oh, if you gotta think about it, there must be multiple. I was gonna say, I was going to say like something like from the beginning of my drag journey, but honestly, I'm not necessarily embarrassed by that because that's part of the process. I, it's not embarrassing per se in that like I was humiliated. I just thought it was hilarious because kids really don't know better and they will let you know. I did a children's gig, like a children's children's gig, kids that were like yeah. three and under. Um, and I had a blast. It was so freaking fun. Where I had I'd done a Vogue rendition of the wheels on the bus. Like it was insane. Oh boy. And this little girl who was absolutely infatuated with me came up to me and she grabbed my hand and she would not let me go the entire day. And at the end of the day, handed me like her balloon and was like, will you come to my birthday party? And I was like, um, well, I don't know. Like I, you would have to ask your parents. And she was like, you're the prettiest clown I've ever seen. And she was like, I want all of the clowns at my birthday party to wear sparkly pretty dresses and do makeup like you. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I mean, just... is she wrong? No, not at all. Like I... <laughs> I just thought it was adorable. Like I thought it was adorable. Yeah. Like I just, I, my whole face went red because I was like, of course that's why she wants me to come to her birthday party. She has no idea what, she has no idea what this yeah. is. I look like a Disney, like I look like one of those characters at Disney to her. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question and it can be about anything you want it to be. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, with no limits to what you could wish for, you get three wishes with drag. One, what you would do, money's no object. Two, who you would bring back, like if you could bring somebody back like from the dead or from the past, who you mm -hmm. bring back. And three, what you would do in the future. Like, yeah. Like, okay. all right, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see how that person answers that question. We're trying to expand the Block Talk community. Who do you want to hear an interview from? Oh my goodness. Um, Phoebe, Phoebe GBs would be fabulous, I think. Um, Nani Tsunami would be another one. She's super wise and has a bunch of really interesting perspectives and point of view. Has Essence done it? Not yet. Essence would be fab. Phoebe, Nani, Essence, Julie J. Oh, Julie J, I'm obsessed with Julie J. 
Julie J. And Hanukkah Lewinsky. All right. Sounds good. Well, where can we find you on social media and Venmo? Oh, uh, my social media is at Janae J-A-N-A-E-S-A-I-S-Q-U-O-I underscore. It's my Instagram. It's my Venmo. It's my TikTok that I unfortunately haven't used, but I got because I wanted the handle. Um, Fair. And yeah, check me out. I'm doing my Queen look series. So 11 more looks to go this month that I have coming down the pipeline that I've designed and I'm super, super excited about. And yeah, can't wait. Well, it was an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you. Oh my God, you too. Thank you. I'm so excited that I got to do the interview now. I've done the, the recap, the interview. I love it. The biggest thanks to Janae for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.